We are going to be in Luke chapter 8, um, if you guys want to get there, Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25, and uh, the title of today's message is going to be Jesus in our storms. But let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get started today. Lord Jesus, we come before you, and Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity to gather together to uh, encourage each other to open your word, to pray, and Lord, it's not lost on us that we're uh, not the only church today throughout this area of the world that is uh, gathering together, and so we just pray your word would go out all over the world today, um, Lord, that you'd speak, you'd bring hope, encouragement, healing, and we ask for our fellowship here, Lord, that you would continue to, to lead us. And, and guide us, and we pray as we open up your word today, Lord, uh, that you'd be glorified and magnified, and that if there's people here today just that need to be reminded of, of your faithfulness to them, Lord, that you would do that, and uh, we commit this time to you, in Jesus' name, amen. And so as I was praying about what to share, um, I kept coming back to this section and really felt like this was what the Lord has for us today as far as uh, the teaching, um, and it's been an encouragement to me. I pray it's a, a blessing to you guys. But we're in Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25, and I'll go ahead and read uh, the section that we're going to be in today. It says, now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake, and they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. And as we look at this today, we are going to talk about storms. And, and the storms here is a metaphor for just the different trials and tribulations that the Lord uh, will lead us through. And in other words, uh, it's a metaphor for the storms of life. And if you've been walking with the Lord for some time, maybe you have some storms that the Lord has brought you through. Maybe currently you're going through a storm, or maybe even the Lord right now is starting to prepare you for a storm that is about to come. And This is a reality as a Christian and as a believer in Christ. We are all going to go through the storms of life, difficult things, heartache, trials. And as a believer, we need to know that it's not... If it happens, it's when it happens. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 starts off, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And again, notice uh, the when part. It doesn't say if. But if we're aware of what God wants to do through our storms, we can learn a lot about God and his character through it. Look at the rest of verse, verses 3 through 4. It says, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. 
But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And trials, tribulations, storm can mold us more into the image of Christ if we let it. And if we look at our section here today, I want to take note of a couple things. Jesus is here with the disciples. And as you guys know, most of the disciples were trained fishermen. You know, Peter, uh, James, and John, they had been on the water before. You know, they had been on boats. They had been in the water. They knew the things that were in the water. It was part of their profession. And I think it's important to take note of this because it's really going to Um, lead us to draw out some application if we know that the disciples, as they're on the water, this is their profession, meaning they were experienced fishermen, yet they're going to go through this storm and they're going to be terrified. They're going to be scared for their life. One thing we need to note, though, is they're on the Sea of Galilee, and the Sea of Galilee is actually a lake. It's It's a fresh water lake. It's about 14 miles long, seven miles wide, and it's surrounded by hills. And what's unique about the the Sea of Galilee is that when the winds come through the hills, it'll hit the lake and it'll create significant windstorms. And it's been said that some of these waves, when a storm comes onto this lake, can reach as high as 20 feet high. And we see here in this account We also see it in two other Gospels, Matthew chapter 8 and Mark chapter 4. And in the Gospel of Mark, it mentions that it is evening time. We actually know that Jesus is going to heal Peter's uh, mother-in-law. And we know that he's been teaching, he's been ministering, it's been a long day. And in the Gospel of Mark, it actually tells us that it's it's evening time. And so it's the end of a long day. No doubt uh, the disciples are probably tired, and Jesus is actually tired. It tells us that he falls asleep on the boat. But notice what Jesus says. He says, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And this is important to note because we're going to see that Jesus is going to allow the disciples to go through the storm. And it's a reminder for all of us that being a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that we won't experience challenges. We won't experience storms. Jesus said this when he's talking of the cost of discipleship, that if anyone come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And I want to highlight that we can be in God's perfect will and still experience storms. I think sometimes we can have this mindset that if I'm walking in the Spirit of God, if I'm in God's perfect will, and if I'm on my best behavior, so to speak, if I'm uh, being kind to others, if I'm praying for others, if I'm evangelizing to others, if I'm doing everything that I feel like God wants me to do, that sometimes when storms come my way, that they should move to somebody else or that they shouldn't kind of land in my lap, so to speak. But the reality is, is that that's not what the Bible teaches. There's doctrines that teach, you know, um, the doctrine of, of faith healing, you know, and that if you're sick for whatever reason, that you lack faith because you're, um, you 
not healed. And we have to be careful because there's these different doctrines that people try to teach that is contrary to what the entirety of Scripture teaches. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 7 says this, In this you greatly rejoice, thou, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we see here that if we let it, that trials, different things that happen in our life can actually help us develop our character. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured in our hearts by the Spirit who was given to us. And so as we look here, look at verse 23 of Luke chapter 8, and we're going to see what the issue is in our text. It says, But... As they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake. And they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And so this is what the disciples are experiencing. They see that Jesus is asleep, and a windstorm now is coming on the lake. And again, these are experienced fishermen for the most part. And the waves are coming in. The wind is is causing water to come into the boat I mean, that can be pretty scary. No doubt they're probably drenched with water. And the storm is so bad that they're fearful for their life. And as we look at this, I think there's a lot of application for us. And there's some vital truths that we can glean from looking at this text. And notice that there are storms that are going to happen in our life but when you are in God's will, notice that there will, be, there will be storms of just being obedient to the Lord and there's storms of disobedience. Now, do, do any of you guys know a, a storm in the Bible because of disobedience? Jonah. Yes, thank you. Um, the story of Jonah is one of disobedience. We know the story, or if you don't, Jonah was called to be a prophet and God had a specific uh, mission for him to go to Nineveh and preach to the Assyrians a message of repentance. And what did Jonah do? He said, I'm going to pass on that calling. And he got in a boat and he hid. And God delivered a great storm to get him out of the boat and onto the mission that God had for him. And so that was a storm because of disobedience. And maybe you guys have experienced just storms that have happened because we've been disobedience to the Lord. But it's just important to note that in these storms that our confidence in God can be shaken, can it? Have you ever guys or have you guys ever gone through something so difficult in your life it's really caused you to question your faith in God? And if we're being honest with ourselves, I think when our confidence is shaken, we can turn to other things. Maybe it's actually sinful things. You know, maybe it's just things that aren't necessarily bad, but it's not Jesus. Our first uh, instinct is to maybe try to solve something or, or create our own solution to the problem rather than just going to Jesus first. 
I want to share uh, something that hopefully ties in. Um, recently, me and my family, we've moved, and we've moved to a new area, and we love the area. We love the home. We love the neighbors that we have, and in that, we have some neighborhood turkeys that go through the neighborhood, and uh, uh, this, w- this was great at first. Um, you know, we took pictures with the kids. They'd come through the neighborhood, and, you know, Jack, my son, was trying to ride one, and it was like, it was, it was fun. Um, things changed about a couple months ago, though. Uh, me and my father-in-law, we, we had the pleasure of going to a 49er game. Um, we came home from the game. They lost, in case you're wondering. Um, and as we're home, I'm looking out my window that leads to the front lawn, and there are the turkeys, the wild turkeys. I don't know how many turkeys are considered to be a pack or a group, but there was probably eight of them. And they decided to rip up my lawn. And I've been taking very pride in mowing the lawn every Saturday, getting the weed whacker out, that type of thing, and having a nice lawn. Well, these turkeys, I don't know what got into them, but they were ripping through my lawn. So much so that the sidewalk in front of my lawn was covered with dirt, um, what was grass, and so I decided to run out there. And of course, my father-in-law's there looking out the window, laughing at me as I'm trying to shoo away the turkeys. Shoo, turkey, shoo. I, I, I'm out there and... They're not going away. They're circling back to the yard. And I'm, I don't know, my first time. So I start chasing the turkeys down the street. And um, this became an issue where the turkeys, you know, I think they were looking for worms or grubs, but they started ripping up the lawn. And um, this, this persisted for a couple weeks. And as this happened, you know, part of my job is I'm an outside sales rep, so I go to different accounts and we'll check on, them and just make sure they have everything that they need, they're happy with the service, that type of thing. One of the accounts that I set up was a golf course, and so one day I was checking in with the account, and uh, I go to the maintenance yard, I meet with the superintendent, and I look at their maintenance shed, and outside their maintenance shed they have these plastic coyotes, and I asked the superintendent, I'm like, what are, what's this all about? And he says, we put the coyotes uh, at different points of the course to scare away geese. And I said, oh, really? And I said, is it working? And he says, you would be surprised. And I said, oh. And I tell him my story of the turkey. And he says, why don't you take one of the geese home and see if it works? I said, I like that idea. So I take the coyote home. And of course, my kids love the coyote. My daughter, Autumn, names the coyote Scout because he's scouting for turkeys. So I actually have a picture of the coyote. Um, There he is. Now, the point I'm trying to make, and I'm taking a long time to get there, um, the coyote was effective at first. Like even my neighbors, they actually came to me a couple times, and they're like, we did a double take. We thought there was a coyote in your front yard. You know, and so I put the coyote out, 
And over the course of a couple days, I'm waiting to see if the coyote is effective in scaring away the turkeys. And I'm, you know, out in my living room looking out the window every day. And nothing happened for a couple days. But one day, I get in the van with my wife and kids, and I look down the street, and one of the turkeys is coming down the street. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's happening. Look, 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 kids, look, 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 the turkey's coming down. And we wait, and we wait, and it gets about four feet away from the coyote, looks at the coyote, and then walks back down the street. And we were excited. I'm high-fiving my wife. The kids are excited. We're like, it's working. It's working. And I'm feeling really good about myself. I'm not going to lie. I was excited. You know, I don't know if you've seen that movie, Castaway, where Tom Hanks' character survives the plane crash, and then he's on the island, and he creates fire. And he's like, I have created fire. You know, that's how I felt uh, when I saw the turkey go back down the street. The point I'm trying to get to is I'm getting carried away here. Um, over the, the course of a couple weeks, the, the coyote had lost its effectiveness to the point where the turkeys had come back and they're circling around my lawn and they're tearing up the, the grass right in front of the coyote. And, yeah, it's a sad day. I've been getting, you know, video messages of the turkeys actually trying to hop our fence into our yard and they're rebelling against me. And so the point I'm trying to make is, is that sometimes we can create our own solutions to the storms of life, can't we? We can try to maybe take things in our own hands. We can try to create our own solutions. And Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to come to me first. I want you to trust me first. You don't need to waste your time in other things. Come to me. Jesus would say, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus would also say, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so, so much so that in the early church, in the book of Acts, it's amazing, isn't it, to see how the early church had developed, but it didn't come without opposition. It didn't come without um, trials. It didn't come without them being imprisoned them being beaten for their faith. One of the apostles actually was beheaded as the the church first got started, yet God was still doing his thing. He was still growing. He was still working. People were still getting saved through the opposition. And this is a, a needed reminder for us that God will use those seasons of difficulty to grow our faith. 1 Peter 4, 9 says, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Romans chapter 8, 16 and 17 says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And so there's a couple things that storms can do. Maybe you guys have experienced this. 
I know I have at times. Um, Storms can humble us. Storms can humble us. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my own life where there's been situations that have really caused me to humble myself before the Lord. And what that can do is you can realize really quickly that you're not in control. And God can use that to draw us near to him. Another thing that storms can do is they can slow us down. Maybe you guys have experienced that too, where you're going through something and instead of making a quick decision, you really had to slow down. I know I was in a season where I really had to slow down because the decisions I was making was going to affect my family. And rather than make a rash decision, I really had to to slow down and seek the Lord and, and ask the Lord, am I hearing you correctly on this? Another thing that storms can do is they can drive us ex- to get extremely close to the Lord. They can cause us to get extremely close to the Lord. And again, this is all good things, right? We can look at the storm and, and question the storm, but in reality, storms can cause us to draw close to the Lord. You guys know that verse, draw near to God so that he will draw near to you. And so this past week I was studying and listening to some different studies on this and I came came away with eight lessons or reminders that can encourage us about storms. The first one is we must not disobey in order to not go through the storm. We must not disobey in order to not go through the storm. I think there's a tendency to not let God use the storm for his purpose and plan. Now think about this. If the disciples had known that there was going to be a storm on the lake, it might have been easy altogether for the disciples just to walk around the lake to not have to deal with the storm. But God wants to teach us in those storms. And it's a lie from the enemy sometimes to do your own thing rather than let God minister to you during the storm. The second point I, I want to share is that there are reasons for the storms that we may know nothing about. There are reasons for the storms that we may know nothing about. It's a reminder that the storms can be used to, be, to fulfill God's plan and purpose And this all leads us to have to trust. Do we trust that God's way is best for our life? You know, maybe the Lord is allowing the storm for protection down the road. And I don't know about you, and and I look at our fellowship here today, and I know that there's some of you that are really going through uh, some, some trying times, you know, physically and one thing I love about the, the Bible and the body of Christ is sometimes when we go through a trial, God will allow us to go through that so we can be a blessing and an encouragement to others when they need to hear it. You know, Have you guys ever experienced that where maybe God has uh, allowed something to happen so when somebody else needs to be encouraged, we're able to share what God did in the situation that God helped us to. And I love that, that verse in Ephesians where it's, it says that he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Isn't that amazing? I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be able to see 
you know, maybe we think, or I think, like, Lord, I think you can use my life. But we won't know the totality of that until we get to heaven. And we'll be able to see all the moments that God used our lives that we never knew happened. And think about this, you know, as we pray for people, as we serve people, maybe the Lord at times has given you a word of encouragement for somebody and you just maybe share it in passing. But over the years, that has been something that they've held on to and, and caused them to continue walking with the Lord or strengthen their walk with the Lord. And again, we need to be reminded that, that sometimes there are reasons for the storms that we may know nothing about. The third point I want to point out is that God hears us in the storm. If we look back into our text here in Luke chapter 8, verse 24, notice what wakes up the Lord. It's not the sound of the wind. It's not the waves. It's not the the water coming into the boat. It's the disciples' cries when they say, Master, Master, we are perishing. It was the voice of the disciples that caused the Lord to respond. And again, I think a lie from the enemy is when we're going through something difficult, he wants us to believe that God doesn't hear us, that he doesn't care what we're going through. And that could be farther from the truth. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all our cares upon him, for he cares for us. The Bible is completely reminding us that we can come to God, that we can be praying to God, and that he hears our cries. So God hears us in the storm. Another observation here is that Jesus is always with us during the storm. Notice that Jesus is with them uh, in the boat the whole time. And in another account that I thought was interesting, it's a different storm, but you remember the account where the disciples are uh, in a boat as well. Jesus actually tells them to go to the other side of the lake. And this is the account where Jesus is actually walking on water. And, and in that account, it actually, commentators think that the disciples were on the, board, on the boat for maybe north of nine hours as they're going across. And this is where Jesus goes on the mountain to pray and then he comes walking on the water. And uh, he ends up calling Peter out to walk on water, and he does. Um, But the point is, is that Jesus is always there during the storm. Remember, he tells us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we know for the believer that for those of us that, that call Jesus our Lord, that the Spirit of God is within us. And again, the Spirit of God is always going to be with us. It's always pointing us to Jesus. I am with you always, Jesus would tell the disciples as he ascends into heaven, even to the end of the age. And it's a good reminder for us, too, that that God is always praying for us, that Jesus is interceding for us. Hebrews tells us that he lives to make intercession for us. The fifth point I want to point out is Jesus will bring the storm to an end. We look back at Luke chapter 8, verse 24. It says, Then he arose, and he rebuked the wind and the raging water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Jesus will always bring the storm to an end. You know, whatever trial it is, it'll come to pass. Now, maybe some of us, or some of you that deal with some really physical ailments, you know, the storm, you know, may last till you're in the presence of God and you're in heaven. 
But even then, right, the reality is, is that the storm will eventually come to pass. You'll be in the presence of God. No more suffering, no more pain. You're in God's presence. And the reality for all of us is that God is going to cause the storm to come to an end. And he wants to build our faith through that. The sixth point is that the storm can teach us something we didn't already know about him. As we look at the screen here, it says, And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. And so here we see that there was a real realization of who God was, and it grew through the experience of this storm. Now, they realized that Jesus could heal people. They realized that Jesus was a good teacher. They saw that Jesus could create food to feed the 5,000. They saw all that. But at this moment here, they realized that Jesus could control the winds and the waters. Picture this. You know, they're in the boat. They're probably soaked, dripping wet. And in a moment when there's wind and water and it's like that, it was calm. You know, I picture it where the disciples probably still dripping water as the storm became calm. Isn't that amazing to think about? Just in a moment, boom. And they're still kind of like, whoa. Like, we'll, we'll kind of look at this next. But they were actually more afraid after the storm than during the storm. Why? Because they realized who they were with. They were with God. And again, the point is, is that what they knew about God grew because of the storm. And that's important to know. Seventh point is his word will have the final say. Notice at the beginning of our text here, he told the disciples, let us cross to the other side of the lake. And if you continue reading the story in verse 27, it tells us that they, that they got to the other side of the lake and actually healed a man that had many demons. And the point is, is that what God said happened. God said, we're going to go to the other side of the lake. And what happened? They, they got to the other side of the lake. What God said came to pass. And again, this is a tactic of the enemy. Is he's always wanting us to question the word of God, isn't he? He's always wanting to, to instill doubt into us. But we need to be reminded what God says is going to happen is going to happen. Amen? His word is true. He cannot deny himself. He is faithful. And the things that God says in his word, they're going to happen. And our faith needs to be brought back to the word of God and the promises of God. And sometimes all we can do is, is trust that God's word is real, it's living and active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. What God says is going to happen is going to happen. And sometimes when we're going through it, we need to be reminded and have confidence in the fact that I am frail, I am weak, and I have my moments where maybe I doubt, but I do not doubt who God is. I do not doubt his word. And when I do, Lord, give me grace to remember that your word is true and that you love me and that you're going to get me through this. And again, we need to be reminded of this because that is what the enemy is always trying to do is instill fear and doubt and make us doubt the validity of the scriptures and what God says. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. 
If one thing we need to know is that God's word is living and he loves us and his plans for you are good and we need to trust his word that it is good. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord shall stand forever. Last point here is he rebukes their lack of faith. Notice what he says here. He says, where is your faith? And I wanted to read, um, I've been looking at this commentary, and I thought it, it, it nailed this faith aspect. It says this, The storm incident reveals how wrong it is to think that following Jesus will bring an untroubled, soothing life. Storms abound, levees break, tsunamis roar, tornadoes level everything in their path, Metaphoric storms can appear suddenly that shipwreck lives and threaten to scuttle faith. What is required to survive them is not the kind of faith that simply believes that something is true, but faith that places complete confidence in God's providential care and protection, whatever the dangers. It trusts that even in, that even in God does not deliver us through it all. Another quote from this commentary that I thought was really good in regards to faith, it said, Allied troops found the following written on a basement wall when they entered Cologne, Germany in World War II. It captures the kind of faith that Jesus is talking about. I can believe in the sun even when it is not shining. I believe in love even when feeling not. I believe in God Powerful, isn't it? That people had written that down on a wall because maybe they were fearing for their life. It's amazing. And as we end here today, as Jesus rebukes their faith, he says, where is your faith? I think it's important to, to look at this because, you know, I love our, our body here, the fellowship that we have here at Calvary Chapel, Walnut Creek. And as I look out through the fellowship here, you know, there's been people here that have really encouraged my faith. You know, they've encouraged me, they've prayed for me, they've sent me verses, you know, even particularly this year, I, I went through a trying time with my knee, I had a knee surgery, and I couldn't walk, and I, you know, I was questioning if I was going to be able to walk and chase my kids, and I'm here, I'm walking. And you know, sometimes that encouragement is so needed, isn't it? Just the Spirit of God working through other believers to bring encouragement. But sometimes, you know, the rebuke of the Lord is just as effective as the encouragement of the Lord, isn't it? And look at this. He's going to ask the disciples, where is your faith? And sometimes a rebuke from the Lord is just as, as good as an encouragement. I think, just speaking from my life, there's been times in my walk with the Lord where maybe, you know, maybe I've had a bad attitude about something. Or maybe I've been complaining. And the Lord will rebuke me and say, Josh, have I ever let you down? You know, you have a beautiful wife, loves you. And loves Jesus. You have three amazing kids. You know, I have a job that provides for you. You know, you have all your needs are met. Have I ever let you down? Have I ever 
led you in your journey of faith and not been with you through it all? And I'll have to stop myself. And uh, I'll have to thank the Lord for that gentle rebuke that God has been with me through every step of the way. And sometimes that rebuke is needed not because not because God is bear with me. We'll get through. You know, God has been faithful to us and sometimes the storms of life will cause us to remember the faithfulness of God and to know that he is always with us. And um, God is faithful. Um, If you're here today, I'll invite the worship team to come back up. Um, If you're going through something today, we just want to encourage you that the Lord is with you, that he's going to get you through. He's going to get me through this today. (laughs) Jesus loves you guys and important reminder for all of us in our journey of faith is that he's always with us. He's going to see us through. He's going to get us to the end. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And our confidence in God should grow through the storms of life. Let's pray. If you want to take communion today, it's going to be here to our right. We encourage you to do that. And if you need prayer, we'll be in the back and we'll be available to Lord, uh, we come before you, and we just thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We're thankful, Lord, that you have the ability to control the waves and the storms, bring us perspective, Lord, you can renew our faith in you. And we're thankful, Lord, that through our life, Lord, through our doubt, Lord, you're always there. You're asking us just to come to you. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that you can sympathize with our weaknesses, Lord. We know we're frail and dust, but you love us so much, Lord, that you've given us your son. And we thank you for that, Lord praise you for that. If there's somebody here today that you've been questioning the love of God, maybe you've never given your life over to the Lord. In the quietness of your heart, if you just say, Lord, I need you, he'll meet you. He'll save you. He'll touch you. He has a plan and purpose for your life. And for those of us that are here, maybe we've known the Lord a while. Maybe we've seen the Lord faithful to us, Lord. We we just say, thank you, Lord. Renew our hearts, Lord. Help us to be that encouragement to others, Lord, when they need to be encouraged. And Lord, we just pray as we leave here today that we see you for who you are. We love you, Lord.